Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. This episode is with Gabrielle Doria. She is a actor, a mom, a speaker. She's the founder of WellSeen, and she began her health journey uh, after really trying to uncover what was this mysterious illness that was taking over her life for several years. And this journey went on for four years, many different doctors, more than she could count. And she finally uncovered what was going on in her body. And this experience led her to really this passion for wellness and education and empowering women to live their best lives naturally. And if you guys know Gabrielle or if you've ever met her, she is organized, she is on it, she is fun, and she has a passion for planning events. And she had this idea of creating a women's wellness conference where women could come together and gain practical advice on how to take care of themselves from a mind, body, and spirit approach. She successfully achieved this goal, of course, and founded her company While Seen in 2018. And it is returning this year and um, the date is November 12th, 2023 at the factory. I will be speaking out there along with a lot of other amazing speakers. And this event is so well curated with from every single detail to the food that is served, the vendors that are there, the speakers. And it's just a group of like-minded women all trying to become the best version of themselves. So if you guys have not gotten your ticket, make sure you get it in the show notes. Um, I'll put the link there and I'd love to see you come by and meet us. Um, Hopefully we'll have a stat table. I will be there speaking and I'd love to see you guys. So make sure to sign up. And Gabrielle, she's also, she's a wife uh, and she's a mom to a 10 month old Mia who's adorable. And she's also a dog mom. She's got the cutest two Yorkshire Terriers uh, named Remy and Rome. So um, I always love to go by and see them. But this episode is really good if you know somebody or you yourself has ever dealt with chronic illness and symptoms that you don't have answers for and a lot of these processes are complex. They're not just one thing. They're multiple puzzle pieces. So if you've dealt with chronic disease, if you know someone that has, you are not alone. And I encourage you to listen into this episode. So thanks for tuning in and hope to see you at the well scene. Welcome, Gabby. Hey, lady. Thanks for having me. So I am really excited about this episode because Gabby is the founder of WellSeen, and we're going to talk all about that. But when I think of Gabby, I think of resilience. And that was the word that I really wanted to discuss on this episode today. And I wanted Gabby, I wanted to just kick this off and hear a little bit about you and your life and your health journey and what kind of led you to start the WellSeen. So let's go back. What year would we want to go back to? Like, 1990 Gabrielle or do we want to do like a 2010 Gabby uh I think okay so I got sick in 2014 but pre that I was I got sick when I was 25 um you know pre that I had left my hometown I had moved to Atlanta went to college you know put myself through college I was working doubles every day um 
just traveling all the time. Literally, the definition of living my best life was what I was doing. And when I was 25, my dad passed away and I just did not handle it well. I, I really feel like that was kind of a catalyst of where my sickness began. Um, but when that happened, about six months later, I was at a restaurant that shall not be named here in Atlanta. And I had um, a chicken taquito that was raw. And I didn't really realize it at the time, but that day I started feeling horrible. And that's, that's really when my stomach issues began. And they continued on for several weeks until they, you know, they just, they give you random antibiotics, like hoping that will help. And it never did. And that was really the beginning of when my health changed from, you know, traveling all the time, working doubles to literally just having no energy within weeks. And was this also when you were planning your wedding? So I had just met my now husband at the time. Like we had only, we met in March and I got sick in October and I did get married about 18 months after that. So, but it was, it was literally the same year he and I met. Thank goodness he stayed with me. Bless him. How, <laughs> Bless him. how was the journey of kind of, or do you feel like you ever got a true diagnosis? Like, did you go to a primary care provider when you started feeling sick? Did you go to urgent care? Like, what did that process look like with the antibiotics and how were you feeling? Was it a, a frustrated process? Did you feel heard? Did you feel like you were getting answers? Oh, goodness. So when I got sick and I was having all those, the stomach issues, I just feel like I felt like something was off. It was almost like my entire stomach just like stopped. Like we were all just like in a holding pattern. And I just I couldn't really eat a lot. Like I just, I just felt so off. And so my primary care doctor gave me, you know, some antibiotics and, and they made me feel horrible. It, it didn't really help the situation. And that started the journey of me. I probably went and saw nine different doctors before I finally got the diagnosis that I did. I mean, they sent me to infectious disease doctors. I went to endocrinologists. I went to rheuma, uh, rheumatologists. You name it. I literally saw them. Um, GI doctors. I probably went to four different GI doctors at that time. And none of them could. They were all like, you're fine. And I'm like, I'm literally telling you that I am not fine. Something is not right. And all of them just kept diagnosing me with anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, probably do have a little bit of that, but that's <laughs> not the root. <laughs> that's not the root cause. Like I'm having anxiety because my life has stopped and I don't know how to fix it. Because did, um, did you know about functional medicine before that? No. And I'll tell you something crazy. When I was in college, I was driving, I was driving to work one day and I was on the interstate and I just had this like voice come to me that was like, one day you're going to get really sick and you're going to talk about it. And I remember sitting in the car like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Like, what do you mean I'm going to get sick? Like, what kind of sick? Like, let's, let's be very specific here. And I, I always held on to that when, once I did get sick and as I was going through the really hard parts because I knew there was a bigger purpose in what I was going through than just me not feeling well um, in, in that moment. Because I feel like so many, your story is like one of the like ideal patients for us that ends up coming to functional medicine because you see so many different specialists that kind of silo what's going on. So, you know, when you go to GI, they're really focused on, okay, so you've got working the way it's supposed to, according to us, it is but then they don't look at the cortisol component, right? Like the anxiety of the cortisol and then it's slowing down your gut plus infection from food poisoning. And how does that impact? Like what we now would think of as the small intestines, bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. And I'm always mm -hmm. just so interested. I'm like, man, if this was 
if this happened now, would the GI and would people see more of the SIBO diagnosis and look at things a little bit different? Because science is just always evolving. Mm-hmm. But the common denominator here with so many of my patients is just the frustration at not being heard. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that that's just what has led so many people. And I know from working with you and talking with you that like you just have made such a 360 after this happened with your life, right? Like you were not eating organic and gluten-free and all of these things prior to getting sick. Is that right? Yeah, no, I, I grew up in a small Southern town growing up every day. We hit a different like drive through restaurant. I don't even think I ate a Brussels sprout until I was in college. Like there wasn't, <laughs> I, like there wasn't like veggies on our plate. Like, it, I mean, it was just not that lifestyle. And I remember when I did finally get the diagnosis of what was going on, well, a piece of it at the time. And they asked or they told me that you have to go gluten, dairy and soy free. And I was just like, okay, I don't even know what that means. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I wasn't a healthy eater at all. So I didn't even know. I literally had to change my entire life in that one session with that dietitian that day. Did you feel motivated because was the motivation because you felt so bad or were you like, I've got to fix this. This is part of your personality or because coming from your background where it was like, okay, I don't even eat Brussels sprouts. And then you get told that you have to be gluten-free, dairy-free and soy-free. A lot of times people, like when they don't feel good, I see that they go one of two ways. They're either like motivated to do everything they can to feel better or they are like, that is too much work. I don't feel good. And So, and I know it's probably hard to isolate, but what do you think was like a big motivator for you at the time? Was it just because you felt so bad? I feel like one, it's because I felt so bad. And two, I don't like to let things, I I just, I have a purpose and and that wasn't going to hold me back, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so she did tell me that and she gave me this whole list of things to eat. And I was like, okay got it. I came home and I cleared out my entire pantry, my entire freezer, my entire fridge. I threw everything away and only, and went to the grocery store and only bought what she said that I could eat. And that's how I ate. And I I wouldn't cheat. I mean, I'm still gluten, dairy, soy free now, and this has been nine years later, but I, I won't even cheat now mm-hmm. because if, if I know how much that affects my body, why, mm-hmm. like, what's the purpose? Like, why, why would you want to make yourself feel worse than you already do? Did you like, like, did you like the foods you started adding in or was that incredibly hard no. to change what you were eating? No, it was horrible. Were you plugging your nose? It was horrible. Like I was so used to eating like frozen, what was it for? Sh- I don't even remember what that pizza's called. And like grape, grapes, soda. Like I wasn't, I wasn't eating salads and, and eggs and like clean meats or organic grass fed. I didn't even know what that meant. So it was such a learning experience. And, and I felt very defeated a lot. Um, because I also had all of my friends were still living the life that I used to live. Mm-hmm. You know, I was bartending at the time, you know, I was working till three in the morning at night. You know, that's, that's not really like, Hey guys, bring a salad, you know, right. like bring like a veggie <laughs> burger to, to eat, you know? So it's just like a very different lifestyle. And I stopped drinking, um, at that time, I mean, I, I, I drank a little bit for several years after, but I probably really haven't had much, maybe two glasses of wine in probably three or four years. Mm-hmm. Just, it just doesn't, I, I just feel like it hinders my healing mm-hmm. for sure. And I think a lot of people, cause do you mind sharing like, what was the diagnosis you got that led to the gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free? 
So they finally diagnosed me with SIBO. My gut test was just all over the place. I had just crazy bacterias. Um, that I didn't have H. pylori, which was surprising, but so I did have a really big case of SIBO and I had just got diagnosed with the Hashimoto's at the same time okay. and the hypothyroid Hashimoto's and the SIBO all at the same time. And then, then of course, adrenal fatigue and, and everything that comes along with those two main diagnoses. But that's, that's what I was diagnosed with. Well, I think so many people, and this is why, you know, when you're siloed in healthcare, it's so tough is because the gut and autoimmune is so tightly correlated. And obviously mm-hmm. what we're putting in our mouth impacts our gut, which impacts our immune system. I just, I, I just love how once you received the diagnosis and you got some knowledge of what you could do that you just ran with it. Did you have dietitians? Did you spend time on Pinterest? I know that you got the list of foods, but like that's still, and you're very self-motivated, obviously, but was there any other like resources or tools that you pulled in that was really helpful in those early years, nine years ago, Gabby? Yeah. You know, it's funny now because nine years ago, the world was a lot different than it is now. Even these diagnoses that I have now or had then now they're more common words, right? You know, back then, like it was, it was like a foreign language. That's not something that we were talking about, you know, all the time. And even like the foods look different. Like I was making my own breads. Please don't do that. It's just a terrible idea, but (laughs) I was making, I was making my own things. And so now well, back then, what I was using, I was using Pinterest, um, just looking for any kind of recipes, because luckily, there were so many people with celiac that that was really the environment I was tapping into. Um, there was one book by what's her name? Wins is her last name. Um, do you know which one I'm talking about? Like the root cause? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, root cause and passion meadows. Isabel Wins. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Isabel. Yeah. So I, I remember reading that. I was like ordering books. Um do just any research that I could uncover, just Google, like okay. what is Hashimoto's? Like, what is the root? Where does that come from? And then what's very interesting after I got my diagnosis, I started realizing how my family, like my immediate family was impacted with that. My mom didn't know she had Hashimoto's and she did. She got tested after I did and she had it. So then, then I started realizing that the firstborn female from all of my aunts and uncles, they all either have lupus or Hashimoto's, like everybody had some kind of autoimmune. Um, so that was very interesting. So I was also talking to family to see, you know, what they were experiencing. Did you feel like getting a diagnosis, like re-inspired you? Like, was that a moment of hope, like having a diagnosis after being sick for a while? I remember I was sitting in our condo where we were living at the time. And I got a call from the doctor giving me my results from, I mean, Kristen, even down to like, they were testing me for like HIV and all these things, like the craziest things that I was being tested for that they were like, well, maybe you have it. It was just such a whirlwind. So when I finally did get the call from some blood work that I had, they were like, your thyroid is off. Like your TSH is like nine. And I I didn't know what any of those words meant, but she was like, you, so, you know, you're hypothyroid, we need to get you on some medication. And I remember just crying and and my now husband, he's like, what, wait, this is like, isn't great news. I'm like, no, this is great news because I have a place to start. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that something is wrong and they're finally figuring that piece out. Like we're getting somewhere. So that inspired me to just like, keep going. Like, so now, you know, nine years later, me, my goal is literally like, I want to feel the best I possibly can every And like, I still have that motivation. Well, and I feel like that's what I hear all the time is it's, 
the largest frustration my patients have is when they go in and they feel horrible and the tests come back normal. And I would say normal in quotes, right? We know that that doesn't mean optimal and there's a lot of deeper things, but when you're not feeling good and you don't have an answer for it, you really start to think that you're crazy. And then you're like, is this all anxiety? Like, is it all anxiety? I don't even know at this point anymore. Um, so I do find that like having that diagnosis can like re kind of bring on that resilience and motivation and help to heal. Um, so I, I always, I'm interested from patients' perspectives on that. Did you have to change your whole friend circle? Like, was this just, it was everything. Well, I want to touch on real quick about getting the diagnosis because not like, yes, I was excited, but I also got really sad because when I realized it was autoimmune and you don't really know much about autoimmune, no one around me has anything autoimmune. It was really scary because I thought my life was over. (laughs) I thought that I was never going to be able to do the things that I like to do anymore. And that was really scary. Um, So I'm thankful now that we've come so far that it's not, you know, such a scary diagnosis. But then to me, it really was. But to my friends, (laughs) wow. Um, Yeah, it was really tough because, like I said, I was working in a bar. Um, My husband owns a nightclub. You know, we were together for nine months before I got sick. And I was just living a very different life. Um, And so it was really challenging because the things that I was into at, at the beginning stages of me being sick, nobody even understood it or cared. And I just didn't feel great. So I wasn't trying to go out and do all the things that I used to do. It just wasn't fun to me anymore. So I did change my friend circle and I really learned who my true friends were. And even now to this day, like I have so many friends that I did that were close friends back then that, you know, I'm not out drinking with them and stuff, but they support me and, and what I'm passionate about and I still support them. And, and so that makes the friendships really beautiful. And I really appreciate that. Well, and is that like, how long did starting to actually feel better? Cause like, okay, so you get this diagnosis, you cut out gluten, dairy, soy, you're trying to learn this whole new world that was not talked about as much. You get this autoimmune diagnosis was, did you start to see the return on those changes quickly? Or was there another point of like, okay, I got this diagnosis. I made the changes that they recommended and I still don't feel good. I, it didn't, it wasn't immediate. Um, because by the time I finally got the diagnosis, I'd already been sick for over a year, you know? So the implications, like my weight, like I lost 25 pounds. Um, I just was so miserable and how I felt and how I looked. I mean, I've been, you know, I've, I've been an actor for, gosh, I don't know, since 2011, I've signed with my agency and a big piece of that is how you look. Mm -hmm. And so just watching myself, you know, watching the weight shed and I just didn't look the same and I just didn't have the same energy. I mean, that carried on for a while. Um, you know, eventually I would say it, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It probably took a good 18 months to even see a little bit of a change, um, at least. Yeah. And I think that that period, it's just, we know our health, it's so up and down and the emotions of chronic disease. And it's just important for everybody to know out there that like, it's not a linear journey, unfortunately, and just you're not alone in that, right? Like nobody's alone in that. And um, was there, besides the diet component, was there anything else that was really impactful for you? Um. Okay. So I definitely changed my diet. I, I did a lot of emotional healing work. Um, I did a lot of childhood healing work. Um, I did, I just did a lot of work 
on emotions and things that I'd kind of been carrying and like suppressed feelings. That was a big piece. Um, and, 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 and also like understanding my diagnosis and like working around my emotions around that and like letting that go was really helpful. Um, I would also say doing more, I started meditating more. Um, I started just adding more peace in my day. You know, I kind of stopped being so stressed out about everything all the time. And and granted, I still get stressed out, but I tried to make it a point Mm -hmm. to work on my stress because I noticed that when I was stressed and all worked up, like that's when I would normally start feeling worse. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but then I also started doing all the things like I did the, I do yoga, you know, I started doing the pure bar. Like I started doing, you know, exercising more and, and just really working daily on changing my mindset and doing my affirmations really, really helped. Have you read, have you read the book, your body keeps score? I've heard about it, but I have not read it yet. Cause I just feel like, so it's hard sometimes for me to convince patients how much the past plays a role with your present health. And I just love that so many people are now connecting the mental health with the physical health because you can't separate those. Like when we are anxious, it triggers a physiological change, right? Our cortisol goes up, our DHEA goes down and DHEA regulates the immune system. So like you were able to identify that and see, but sometimes in like the hustle and bustle, we aren't able to even recognize how we are truly feeling. And then also understanding that like today's health is a picture of our past health, right? And so I always encourage people that are kind of interested in the trauma space and how that can impact your health to read that book, because it's not necessarily an easy read. It's tough to understand that trauma component, but our body does keep score. And so I think in people's health journey, that mental health is so critical, whether it's EMDR work or, you know, the new ART and some of these other treatment modalities that can kind of help calm the nervous system through the mental health side. And you're focusing on mental health a lot in this year's well scene, aren't you? Yes, I am. And I did, you know, when we started well scene, we started in 2018 and every, and then we had a second event in 2019 and both of those years, I made it a point to have a speaker talk about mental health, you know, talk about dealing with traumas and things like that, because I really feel like our daily, there's two different types of stress. I feel like, I feel like there's daily stress and then there's stuff that we're just, you know, adding on, we're compounding that we're not dealing with. And so I always make sure that we have someone talk about that because I just want to give people permission to like realize those things and know that they can surrender and like let go and work on them. You know, and some people just like feel like they have permission to, to work on those types of things. And so many people don't even realize like, this is like a subconscious thing, right? Like they're, if, if you were to ask like, Hey, how was your childhood or things like that? A lot of people don't even recognize it because we're not given the space to talk about it and think about it. And our body does repress and hold on to that. What led to the well seen? Like, tell us a little bit. So you get the diagnosis, you change your diet, you change your whole life. You start to kind of surround yourself with some different people still holding on to some of those like true friends, which you mentioned, which I love, but what eventually led to the well scene? Cause being an actress in that space, was it, did you love events? Did you want to commit to form a community? What was the motivation? So when I was in call, well, let's take it back. I think I've always loved hosting events and celebrating people. I feel like that's a, you know, probably some kind of suppressed trauma that I've had in my life, just like not feeling celebrated 
So I love celebrating others so I can make sure that they feel loved. So I've always just kind of been the one to plan and do things for people because I really do love it. And then when I was in college, I graduated college. I went to Kennesaw State and got a degree in public relations. Um, I started a company doing event planning. And then that's when my dad passed. And so I, I ended up you know, going to corporate America and kind of like paused on that dream. And I, after I got sick, so that was 2014, I got married in 2017. And then, you know, after that, that's when I really started doing like more like childhood work and, you know, going through all that. And I think once I realized, once I got to a good place with a good foundation and, you know, I was in a good place with my health, I was feeling better. I was a good place, like mentally just with, you know, everything that I've gone through in my past, it was very obvious to me that I did not have a community. The things that I was looking to do, there was no one to do it with. You know, the things that I was interested in, it it wasn't here in Atlanta. You know, I taught myself, I probably went to three or four different like wellness events in New York and it was so great. And I would go and I'd surround myself with all these like-minded people. And, you know, I was doing, I was blogging at the time. And I just loved it so much. Like, I just love being around those people. I love being inspired and, and, and knowing that other people were like, were loving the same things I was loving. So when I I left an event there and I remember it was, I don't want to name like what event it was, but Gwyneth Paltrow was speaking and like Chelsea Clinton was there speaking and I was leaving and they gave swag bags, but they had like Welch's great sparkling soda in it. Like the spark wine, you know what I mean? And I I left and I was like, wait a minute. I just flew all the way to New York. I'm listening to these amazing speakers. We're talking about wellness, but yet we're still, there's still a disconnect, right? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying don't drink stuff like that, but if you're trying to live a healthy life all the time, like that's just not something that you're going to add in. And it's just, it didn't make sense. Right. So I got in the Uber, my husband was picking me up in the Uber and I was telling him about it. And he's like, why don't you just do this yourself? You keep talking about just do it yourself. So I flew back to Atlanta and I like two days later, I went and booked a venue and I didn't even have a website or a business name or anything, but I knew that I wanted to create that community here in Atlanta. And I knew that I wanted to find people around me that Mm -hmm. love doing the same thing and were passionate because, you know, we, we need to, we need that accountability too. You know, we need to know that this is a normal thing. Like this is, this is a a lifestyle that can be led and it's, it's nice to feel empowered with, you know, surrounding yourself with other people. Well, it's just been so impactful. Like I called Gabby because one of my patients uh, a couple months ago, she was telling me, she was like, Kristen, my life changed after wall scene. And she was like, it really was the moment that I realized a, that I'm not alone in this health journey Two, I have the power to make whatever decisions that I want to make for my health. And she just felt so inspired leaving the wall scene. And she was like, if you are friends with Gabby, she didn't know that we were friends. She was like, you need to call her and tell her to do another one. And so I talked to Gabby and she was like, I am. And, uh, cause when is it this year? Is it coming up? It's November, right? It's, it's November 12th and we're back because, you know, COVID kind of took us away for a couple of years. It just wasn't safe for us all to be together. So this is the first year we're back since 2019. So it's been four years. That is wild that it's been four years. I know. And I'm so excited. I've like every year I've been patiently like, okay, do you think I can do it this year? And then every year it's like, no. So I'm really excited. And two, two, one of the, one of the reasons I did this was because I had nobody to talk to (laughs) nobody, like (laughs) nobody in my family understood what I was going through. Like they, 
they just didn't. And, and no one around me was like changing how they were eating or what their lifestyle changes like weren't happening. So it was just really lonely and isolating. And I didn't, I just, I wanted people to be around that were doing the same thing as me. Well, and I always go back to the largest, I've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast, but the lar- longest study ever done by Harvard was on longevity. And the really key component to longevity really is not just what are you eating and how are you exercising and how are you sleeping, but it's the sense of connection and happiness because we could do all the right things and feel so lonely and that loneliness impacts our physical health. And so anytime that we can surround ourselves with like-minded people that are trying to become the best version of ourselves is it really is going to impact our longevity, just going and surrounding yourself with people. And then of course, taking the actions, like we don't want to be driving through McDonald's every day, but we want to look at all of the pillars of our health. And I just, I love that study of the connection and the happiness is one of the most important indicators of longevity. I love that. And when I'm planning the event, it, it really takes, I mean, it's just me, like I'm a team of one, (laughs) but it's also because I'm just really passionate about it. And even when I'm planning the schedule and and what the speakers are talking about, I want them to talk about things that I'm personally going through or have gone through. I don't want them just speaking about something that, you know, is trending on, I don't know, TikTok or whatever. Like I, I literally want every single person in that room to be like, okay, wait, got it and and be able to leave and and implement things into their life the moment they walk out of that room and give them permission to 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 start doing these things um that's just i mean it's i'm so passionate about it it's it's insane <laughs> well and gabby you being one is like eight people gabby is like the organizer the inspiration the visionary um she does not put on an event that like anytime you put on an event, even if it's like a party in your backyard, I'm like, can I come? Because every event <laughs> Gabby does is just incredible, just even from the experience of it. So you just, your party of one is like a party of eight. Well, and that's a, a big thing about Wellsing too, is I want it to be, you know, when back at, you know, nine years ago, when I got sick, you were, you, you talk about health and wellness and all you think about is like twigs or like sticks or like leaves. <laughs> And like green and brown. And that's just not how, how it has to be. Like, it doesn't have to be, it can be fun. It can be a blast. Like it doesn't have to be this awful thing that I feel like people have made it out to be. I could not agree more. And that's why I always love, like even the speaking, uh, cause I will be there. So you guys listening, if you guys want to come, I will be there again this year. And I, it's an event you do not want to miss but is getting people laughing too. Like there, there is a lot of fun in wellness. And again, I go back to the happiness. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I love experiences and you can't do anything that's not fun. So Gabby makes it fun. Uh, is there anything else? Like I really, you know, again, kind of thinking on that resilience, just to kind of wrap this up that you feel like you want our listeners to listen to if they are the Gabby nine years ago that is actively sick. Do you have any kind of words or just kind of final thoughts for that group of people? Yeah, I think just to know, I just, I wish somebody would have told me this nine years ago, just to know that where you're at right now does not have to be permanent. And it's not always going to be, there's going to be ups and downs. You know, you may have some really good years or months and days and, you know, it's okay to have bad ones. 
but don't let the bad days define who you are and don't let those bad days like change your mood and your personality. When you have those bad days, keep going, knowing that tomorrow may be the best day you've ever had. You may be feeling the best you ever have tomorrow. Just like never give up on searching for that, for feeling great. Man, I feel like that's like a drop the mic moment, Gabby. That was very well spoken and a great finisher. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Gabby, for being on. This was absolutely wonderful. And I cannot wait for the wall scene. I will put the link in the show notes. So you guys make sure you get your ticket now because it's an event you do not want to miss. And bring your friends. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.